go for more coffee would be amazing. Adequately caffeinated. I know. Here we are having breakfast on the Tuesday after Edinburgh Yarn Festival. We're still feeling a bit croaky, a bit tired, a bit Edinburgh Yarn Festival bushwhacked in the best possible way. And Felix is here, and um, we thought it would be a good idea to have a little recollection of our favourite moments of the weekend. Will we do Friday and Saturday or just on a whole? I think maybe the whole weekend, because yeah. for me it was also, it was Friday, Saturday and Sunday, because I taught two classes on Sunday. Yeah. So it was still, it was still happening for me. How many classes did you do all together? Five? Four. It? Well, thinking back then to this amazing festival, what was your standout moment? Felix? Oh, my standout moment. That's really tricky. I think my standout moment was in one of my classes. Well, there were there were standout moments in all classes, but I became aware at this festival that there is a particular noise of people getting very excited about an idea, and this kind of like a ooh, like a, it's like a little ooh, and it, it goes with like trembling hands and uh, and and little smiles and picking up pens and like yeah. hurriedly scribbling things and it's like this frisson of excitement and um and also then very quick rushed whispery speaking about oh i could knit this i could i could knit something based on this painting i could knit something based on my house and then that's my favorite sound when i'm doing the knit sonic classes and we're looking at translating everyday inspirations into stranded color work and there were just there were a few moments like that and i had one class that was so there was so much excitement. Um, I just, I thought I was going to cry. I was so happy. Oh, <laughs> so happy. I wish you'd heard the sound on the Friday in the, in the barren, which is where the podcast lounge was, where the breakout area was, where the pop-up market was, um, of this sort of, I think because it was a Friday and I think people were like, ooh, we're off work. We're, got, we're off work to do woolly things. And there was this sort of like, of like people just getting like getting excited about the Yarra Festival and it was actually Carrie Westerman's uh, partner Dave who said it's a kind of in a really good way it's a kind of a really rowdy feeling because of that and it was just this real sort of like like rampant excitement it, what, it was it was a slower build to that on the Saturday but on the Friday it was like a real vibration and I wished I'd, rec I'd taken it to record it because it was lovely and I did think Felix would kind of love this kind of of um, just people like getting getting their bags out and getting their, you know just that kind of loveliness. The excitement there. of yeah. all the knitters, collective yeah. excitement. I heard quite a few other teachers because we're all staying in the same hotel. Lots of other teachers said they talked about an aha moment in their class, mm. and I think that lots of people had really good classes this year. It was really nice. There was this kind of and there was a. There was an excited noise always in the taxi going from the hotel to the corn exchange mm -hmm. in the morning, like a, 
yeah, all the tutors just getting excited about like what's our class going to be like and I hope it's going to be good. And also like just getting your energy together to bring your A game. Yeah, because that must be difficult. I hid on Friday morning. I, I hid because <laughs> I had a class that afternoon. And what I was worried about is that there were so many people that I wanted to see and want to talk to. And I was so excited about all loads of different vendors and makers and knitwear designers and there were so many people to kind of see and chat to and um and i i just was worried that i would be all out of words by the time the afternoon came and it was time to my class so i did i, I hid i hid on friday morning and i did something <laughs> retreat, retreat. <laughs> i have to tell you something funny i am um, i bought this nail varnish that it's is lovely. absolutely the same shade as oak leaf, which is one of the yarn shades that I used in my Missy Elliott jumper, and uh, and and I spent quite a lot of time on Friday painting my nails <laughs> as like a super relaxing thing and also a super satisfying matchy matchy exercise. Yeah, that's lovely. That was um, my retreat moment. So if you're ever feeling stressed at a yarn festival, I would encourage you to discover an excellent matchy matchy yarn sh uh, nail varnish yarn shade and just go somewhere and paint your nails maybe that is what is missing Edinburgh Yarn Festival nail bar do you know <gasps> the one thing I did think that last year at Edinburgh Yarn Festival that would have been really good was to have someone doing hand and foot massages and it'd be like we need a little nail bar going on we, In must, the we must suggest that for next year we must <laughs> Edinburgh Yarn Festival nail bar I think that would be incredible the people would be taking their yarn with them saying what do you have that matches this <laughs> i love all those practices that knitters do though that like and and it's really nice because i think we do notice each other's decisions like you say if you notice that somebody's wearing a cardigan and maybe a necklace that picks out a color in it and maybe and sometimes i don't know if you've observed this but i think that sometimes people match their outfit to the knitting that they're working on yes and i think see, they do yeah <laughs> and it's really it's really it's like a lovely everyday creativity practiced by all different knitters um, looking at how we put things together and I think we do notice it about each other. Yeah. That was one of the lovely things as well about Edinburgh Yarn Festival, <sighs> spotting people's yeah. projects that, that they're wearing and seeing people's things and it's one of those places where it's fine yeah. to go up to someone and say, oh, I love your sweater, it's beautiful. Yeah, did you make what's it? this edging and like and yeah. feeling and tactile and it's so okay. It's allowed. It was very funny actually because at the minute in the Knit Sonic Ravelry group we're working on um, a magnolia mitts along. So we've got the same photos of magnolia trees and I've picked out this palette of yarns. And some people are just using their own yarns, their own stash, mm. and some people have picked another spring tree that's a bit that's more lovely. pertinent to them. But someone at Edinburgh Yarn Festival um, came up to me and said, do you mind if I show you my mitten? And I think she was a little bit taken aback because I think I was more excited <laughs> about seeing the magnolia mitt than she was about. That's lovely. About, like, I was like, please, please show me the mitt. I want to see the mitt, show me. I want to see. And it's standing there clapping like an idiot. But uh, it was so lovely. And um, it was really nice to kind of, to, to see what she, I, she I love that actually I've loved the people that have come up um, over that weekend and said I made this for the nature shades along and I've made this for this was my hat that I made and or this was my meaningful knit it's, it's so lovely when people come and tell you that I think that's what I like I love that I love people coming and showing you the things that they've made 
as part of the like your community. That's lovely. It is really nice. Yeah. I did see a lot of nature's shades. Yeah. Things going around. Do you know I feel the impact of the nature's shade cal has been quite far. Oh my god. Far reaching. It has. Like it's just lovely. The fact that people are, you know, that brown isn't just brown. If you put it together with something else, and it can be really, really, really striking. It doesn't. It can be. It can be harmonious, and it can be in a lovely sort of decelerating gradient. Or you can do something that's just so striking and eye-catching. And um, it's also great because people have done their first fair isle or their first whatever. It's it's been fantastic. And actually, that's it finished now. It's quite sad. Um, the cal is sort of over. But I know from previous experience that people will be now knitting nature shades for some time to come and we got all got up we had a little meet up and we all went and got to the photo booth and got our pictures taken in and we had to get two or three different pictures because we couldn't all fit in the photo booth this was really lovely so that was that was grand i had i think somebody had said to me at some point we were just talking and they said how inspiring it was just to be surrounded by all the colors and i have to say that like the marketplace was just it was like a magical paradise of colours and textures and like I really feel like I don't know if it's I don't know if it's partly because people are using Instagram and Pinterest and these kinds of things but the sort of the sophistication in the way that designers and are laying out their stalls now yeah. is so amazing I remember one of the first yarn shows I went to like it would have been nearly 10 years ago in 2007 and it was much more like a person standing behind a table with a load of skeins on the table that yes. you know that kind of thing yeah. whereas now people have all these amazing backdrops and yeah. ways of displaying things and beautiful props that say something about the flavor of what they make and there's just it's, it's like it's almost like an art installation and i think as well all the like designers you were saying something yesterday that I think is really important, which is that niche me mm. means richness. Yeah. And being really particular and really specific. And it's like when the designer, um, that's the other thing, loads of designers now making yeah. their own yarn. And it means that you get this whole, you step into someone's stand and it's like this whole flavor yes. of them. It's their yarn, it's their designs, it's the colors they've chosen. And it's like, it is like these little, little worlds all over. And I thought that was, that was the standard of kind of stall and the, the richness of ideas in each one was, was just amazing. It's this year. so true. I, I had, a, I think one of my most powerful moments in terms of stalls was just walking around and seeing um, Anna Maltz, Sweater yes. Spotter and, yes. um, and Rachel Atkinson, Knittintastic. And I don't know, uh, for people listening, I don't know if you've been following the story, but I think the story begins with Rachel Atkinson's father getting 94 pence for his entire clip of Hebridean fleeces. And obviously once you've got the wool clipped, you have to pay the shearer, you have to pay the petrol for the journey to take the fleeces to the local depot, etc, etc, etc. And oftentimes it works out cheaper for, for farmers to, uh, to burn the fleece rather than bear the expense of, of transporting it or storing it. Yeah. And she was just, I suppose because Rachel 
is in this world of designers. She's a knitwear designer herself and she goes to these kind of shows and stuff. It just seems crazy that there's these amazing skeins of, of yarn for sale. But at the, at the other end of that equation, the farmer is just getting so little for what they've produced. And so she wrote this incredible post called Fleeced that was looking at, um, that was looking at that and she made a decision that she was gonna get her father's clip spun up and turned into a yarn uh, and that she was gonna like really make a go of getting a proper return on, on that labor to produce that wool. And she's blogged about it so beautifully and so expressively and she's worked with John Arben, who's a wizard of, uh, of spinning, I think, um, and, and just produced these beautiful skeins of worsted spun, Hebridean, it's like a chocolatey brown. Oh, it's incredible. So different in different lights as well. It is, and I think because it's worsted spun and it's been really combed and combed and combed to get all the fibres lying. So it is. It has a silkiness and a, a drapiness and it's just beautiful. But I loved her. her. She just had like a shelf with photos of the flock, yeah. photos of her dad, photos of the sheep, and then these beautiful chocolate brown skeins of yarn and these and she's called it daughter of a shepherd and I just was so it's so close to the work that we've done with Wovember for years yeah. trying to close the gap between producers and consumers of yarn and I just I said to her you know you've made such a fantastic job of this and we both just started crying yeah. <laughs> it was just beautiful yeah it, it, it is beautiful and what she's done is just incredible and she was the first person that I saw on the Friday morning um, and we've We've done a, just done a little blog, a couple of blog posts on Knit British and she's going to come on the podcast and we're going to talk more about British wool because um, I think we could probably talk for hours about it. But when I saw her yarn, it was, I, was, I, felt, I felt really emotional because you could feel the story. You know, you know how far it's come so far and you know the journey that she's been on with it. She's been really good at uh, writing about it and it's only been six months. It's been quite short journey and I think she's learned such a lot and taken such a lot away with it and this yarn which really is just like no other Hebridean you will, are ever likely to see or see again I really do think that I think it's really been so incredibly treated and spun and, and given the love and attention that it really deserves and John Arbin's done an incredible job and all these people who've bought it at Edinburgh are going to help that story continue and that there needs to be more of this. I just loved how the way she'd set out her little area was so yeah. representative of the whole project. Yeah. You know, she hadn't added loads of extra stuff. It was just like, Pictures of her. here is the yarn yeah. from my dad's flock yeah. of sheep. And yeah. that's really powerful. It is. The story is powerful enough, really. But yes, that was a lovely style, actually. I really liked that. I really liked how they had it laid out. And then Anna had all of her fantastic, colourful designs hanging and... It was so great to see the sweater spotter yes. collection of all her amazing designs and I really loved seeing her diagon apples because I've got that pattern and I've I spent a long time I don't know if you know it but yeah. it's the diagon lily knit garter stitch um, scarf that enables you to use I think it's 41 shades of Appleton cruel wool or something like that and so and you can buy these tiny little mini skeins of Appleton's cruel wool I might have the number wrong of how many it is but it's you can you can have loads of different colors and i think it's 420 shades in appleton cruel wool so if you really love colors and are excited about 
choosing a selection from a smorgasbord of shades. I just think Diagon Apples is such a lovely pattern. Yeah. And she had three hanging up on yes, the stall. Yes, they were gorgeous. And she also was running a little bit of a Pinglewin crash. <laughs> yes. People had their little Pinglewins. <laughs> Pinglewins. Yeah, little Pinglewin penguins coming over. It was so sweet. And I loved um, the Kate Davis design. Palace of Wonder. Uh, yes, it was gorgeous. It was just so lovely. And I have been so, I really wanted to see Miss Rachel's yoke and gauntlets because that post that she did about the Gawthorpe textiles and the inspiration that she found in that amazing shawl and the way she translated it into stranded colour work. I mean, obviously it was just like, I just kept scrolling between the photo of the inspiration source, the photo of the yoke going between the yeah. two things. And I just think it's a beautiful, it's really gorgeous. gorgeous design. And I also love the fact that being near the Kate Davis design stall, there was just lots of snippets of really fantastic conversations about haps going on with people because she's working on this book and people coming up um, to talk about photos of haps that they'd seen or just all these amazing researchers and like obviously her patterns are amazing but I always love the context that she brings through the writing that she does and I, I was just very excited over hearing all these snippets of hap talk. Gorgeous, yes. it's absolutely gorgeous, yeah it's lovely. It's going to be a fantastic book. It is, I can't wait, I think I'm going to keep my special yarns for that hat book. It's going to be Kind of lots of new happy inspiration. Can't wait. Yeah, yeah. And Ch and Woolwick stall. We have. I was guess, just gonna say. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. It was good to see them and and this year's fantastic choice of patron Ella Gordon. I think it's a magnificent choice. I'm so excited that she's going to be the patron for Shetland Woolwick because I think she's like, she's so. Um, I love her blog posts that she does. Yeah. They're so good, and I love how much. She speaks about Shetland history and the kind of long, the traditions of uh, of, knit, of knitwear in Shetland. But she also, she's just very good at like Instagram and Twitter. And like, she's, she's really good at bringing all of those traditions to a kind of really contemporary online knitting yeah. audience. Yeah, she's got such a love for the past of, you know, Shetland's textile past. But she's got such an, she just seems so intrinsically linked to the present and what can be done in the future and she's just such she's just the right voice um to carry Shetland Week forward and I'm so pleased and she's she's designed the Croft House hat um because the last few years as most people know Shetland Week have had a hat pattern and this one because Ella designs Croft House cushions and if you haven't seen them you should go and look at them because they're gorgeous yeah. I, I think though the Croft House hat and also she's made she was wearing the most glorious sweater yeah. at um while she was on the stand and I think she they're so representative of her design aesthetic yes. where she's drawing from long traditions in Shetland of Fair Isle and colour work but she has definitely got her own stamp her yes. own flavour that she's putting on it it's not like she just is purely replicating she's, those yeah, traditions no, she's, she's not, doing she's it. absolutely not um, sticking to one. She's drawing on the heritage. She's drawing on the heritage, but she's showing how that can move forward and evolve. And I think that's the most important thing about Shetland um, knitwear and patterns and, and designs and techniques is that you, you must always be moving forward. You can't let it stagnate. And, and she's such a good um, ambassador for that. She just, she just makes it so fresh and really fun as well. Yeah. And I think what I love 
most of all about the Crofthoos hat is the, uh, the, the pattern for that is that I really think everybody will want to do their house. I live in Reading and um, and there's just this amazing brickwork that's really yeah. it's and it has a very strong sense of place because there used to be brick kilns all around the area um, and you can see so the Victorians in in Reading were obsessed with um, with novelty so the white bricks that you can and the exotic and foreign so all of the pale cream bricks that you can see in Reading brickwork were imported from Wales which I just think is hilarious that that was like and you could actually have made some white clay bricks in Reading but the Victorians like to have something foreign and exotic <laughs> although Wales technically isn't a foreign country it was like you know it was far enough away for that to be something a source of pride for the Victorian builders and so you've got these cream bricks imported from Wales and you've got these kind of silvery bricks that were fired in a muffled kiln where it was starved of oxygen and that created yeah. a kind of darkening effect. And then you've just got this redding red, which is 125 or FC38 in the colour range. <laughs> and, and our house on the street that we live in is called the Red House and it's got a little plaque outside it that says the Red House. And what we heard from some of the older residents in the street is that a builder lived in that house and used the street as a showcase of his different styles. Oh, yeah. So all the houses have these different fancy brickwork patterns, maybe cream bricks around the window, cream bricks around the doors, some gray and red things going on, some gray and cream things going on. And then there's just this one house that's a standalone, the red house where, where he lived. So obviously, as soon as I saw the Shetland Crofthoos hat pattern I was like I will do the red house yes lots of different red and I'm gonna look at the, the houses on my street and I really wonder how many people will do that yeah I think lots of people I certainly was inspired um because that the street that our, we, our house is on in Shetland um are all very colorful houses it's a bit a little bit like Balamori so and I have this little card that and it's got all of the different colored houses on it and so I think my Crofthoos hat has to be that street and look because Felix is here and she's the mistress of the shades, <laughs> shady mistress, then she has helped me choose the just the right colours so and because I always feel like a bit like you know colour work is my downfall um, you know it's not the thing that I'm, I do the best at I'm quite inspired to to do this and and hopefully have at least one piece of colour work that I can wear that I made myself. So, and I've got I've got till October to do it. So <laughs> September, October. So I should get it finished by then. I've become very invested in this hat, though. Like I got really excited yesterday looking at your at the print that's got yeah. the houses on it, and and checking out the different shades yeah. that it could be. I think I'm going to be on your case until it's knitted. I'm really sorry. I think I, too I mean, excited. if you took a picture of the houses, the colours would be different. But I just really like this little um, card. Little watercolour. Yeah. Shetland Warwick stores just seemed very, very busy. And I was very excited to see so many people taking, just wanting to know about yes. Shetland. Wanting to know about going there. And I think they've... Because there is a kind of finite amount of accommodation yes, in Shetland. There is. They've really done a great job of of uh, reaching a wider audience because many more people will knit the Shetland Crofthoos hat mm -hmm. than come to Shetland all week. But there'll be a kind of vicarious online yes. kind of celebration of Shetland all week that happens alongside the 
the kind of physical in real life yes, Shetland Bull Week, you know? Definitely. So yeah, the marketplace was, as you say, just this kind of magical place. Palace of dreams. Palace of dreams. And then the concourse at the current stage, you see there was far more exhibitors in the concourse. I remember last year there was sort of art demonstrations and things like that. And there was New Lanark that I never even got to go and visit, which I was quite sad about. Volmiza, um, with all their jewelled yarns shining out and uh, it was that was really lovely there was somebody the doing like beautiful wool bowls yes yarn bowls yeah. the thing about every art festival is that it's not just yarn and patterns there are lovely wool bowls and lovely bags and notions and tilly flop stationery tilly flop stationery yes. beautiful tea towels and stationery for all your knitting needs yes and like jewels woolen flower with our cowls and our pouches and our Buttons. 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 Yeah, just a from bit textile garden. Yeah. I oh fell goodness. hard at the textile garden store last year. Yeah. At the Edinburgh Yarn Festival. But and then of course there was the there was the podcast lounge, which this year had blacker yarns um, there, and that was kind of extraordinary. Really, they were just busy the whole time. They were just they were the sponsors of the podcast lounge, and they. Like people were just sitting down in the couches and then all of a sudden you see them just getting up in like this gravitational pool towards the fantastic stuff that was there. And they had all the British um, breeds and their limited edition yarns as well as their branded yarns. And it was, it was incredible. It really was incredible. But the best bit for me, I think, was the podcaster meetup because we had, I think, altogether there were 16 podcasters who came. Um, and one or two who just sort of turned up, um, knew it was happening and sort of turned up. Like the, like the festival itself, we were quite international this year because we had Paula from Knitting Pipeline, which she's based in Maine, I think, and we had Claire from NH Knits, who's in New Hampshire, and Helen Stewart was there, and um, with the Sock Competition, who he had two little half-hour slots on the Saturday showing off the double knitting technique and showing off his double knitting designs and I don't think he got away from the podcast lounge all of Saturday. He just sat there with his enthralling people with his incredible designs and he had sank an incredible sanker scarf and um, so that was lovely but it was just the meetup I mean it was always it was incredible to meet listeners and festival goers and friends and people you've known on Twitter and Instagram and Ravelry for such a long time and you get to meet them for the first time that's lovely but for me I really loved when all the podcasters met up because last year it, it was a bit of an unknown quantity and this year I'd you know invited so many people and it was actually a little get together for us as well as well as meeting our listeners and 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 viewers it was lovely to actually chat with one another because we never get that opportunity you know we we are this group of of um, craft podcasters, we're all doing our own different thing in the podcasting world. So it's so good that we can support each other and and know who one another is. And it was great to get. We got. I don't think. I think you missed that actually, but we got a nice little podcaster picture taken in the in the photo booth, and it was just. It's just lovely to sort of. I, I listen to a lot of podcasts, so I suppose it was quite nice as a listener to meet some of these podcasters as well, but it, it was just lovely, and it was, I, I think, I, I, by the end of Friday I was losing my voice from just talking to so many people and 
you know, laughing. Like, I didn't record once. I had my recording equipment with me and I didn't record once. It was just spent in such good company of listeners and and shoppers and fellow Edinburgh Yarn Festival enthusiasts and podcasters and it was just divine. Although my feet were quite sore, <laughs> my throat was quite sore by the end of it. <laughs> but you managed to get up to the podcast meetup, didn't you? I did. I came over. I came over at one point in my uh, in my Missy Elliott sweater. Yes. And uh, Vero from Along the Lanes. Uh, I was talking to her for a while, and um, she was doing her kind of video. She she seemed really prolific with she, going around making video podcasts the whole weekend. I she thought was she was amazing. She really was. Doing In that. fact, during the British Rules Squishing session, she was like talking to the camera, and it was it was lovely. It was like she was like inviting her viewers to take part in that. I just loved that. Like that she's given them that real hands-on feel of the festival. She was she never stopped. I no, she think. seemed to, to just constantly in the zone for Absolutely the whole weekend. Delightful lady. It just seemed but when I came over there was just a fantastic energy. There was just so many people and everyone was really um it just seemed completely alive. And I was really reminded you were saying about Black Yarns. I think Black Yarns, their stall at Woolfest in 2009 was a complete game changer for me. Like it was, I because I went to Woolfest, it was me, Kate, Lara and Liz. And we all decided to make it like a road trip. So we went, we drove up to the Lake District and we're staying in Buttermere campsite mm. where there are Herdwicks just wandering around. Gorgeous. <laughs> Amazing. And uh, it's it's beautiful. And we were there, and, and we were driving into Woolfest each day. And I just remember going there, and I think on one of the days, I must have spent an hour or so sitting with this woman who keeps a flock of Shetland sheep. She lives in the Lake District, but she's got Shetland sheep. And she was saying, "Oh, I don't really like to knit. I like being on the hills with my sheep." And so I had met her, and I met um, the Rough Fell Breeder oh, Society, yes. the Breed Association, and I saw. And I love them. They have such an amazing noble face. They have a really big, long yes, black do. nose and those huge curly horns. And this kind of very kempy, long, thick, amazing, sturdy fleece. And then, of course, the beautiful little Herdwicks. And I was walking around and it was really an opportunity to get to know the different sheep breeds. And it was the first time where I started to feel like I can understand the different sheep breeds. Mm -hmm. And so I had seen that and then I had walked around the corner and I saw the blacker yarn stand and I started picking up the balls of yarn and going, Jacob, Hebridean, you know, yeah. blue faceless. And I was like, you've got all the breeds here. And I must have been there for about an hour and a half rummaging around. And I picked up all this yarn <laughs> and I was a bit bad because they said, you know, do you mind if we just mail order it to you? And my wee face. I was like, I really want to take it away with me now. <laughs> so they were a bit grumpy because I was ruining their system <laughs> for the way they were trying to sell the things. But I really wanted the yarn. I really wanted to take it home and yeah. admire it and pet it and yeah. show it to everybody. And I had eventually left with this massive collection of British breeds. And that was what I then, I just had this vision for this massive stripy coat of many colors, yes. but sheep shades, you know? And so that, that became the later design. I but it. I'll never forget seeing that stand and just just being blown away by 
the fact that I could buy all these different sheep breed yarns and they just seem to have gone from strength to strength with that. Yeah, and so. that's what I think people were really drawn to um, this weekend, although of course the Tamar, the new Tamar yarn was, I think they're probably the best seller this weekend, but people, you know, just discovering the different breed wools that they had and, and I think that was that was really good that, um, especially any knit British listeners who were just sort of making a beeline for those um, you know the the nature shades and the and the single beads and things. It was just yeah they they were just it was incredible to have them there um, and you know not in the marketplace but just sort of in their own little hub in the podcast lounge and as I say there was really was a gravitational pull for people you know people would come in and you'd see people about to sit down because it was in the breakout area where. Um, the cafe and the bar was, you'd see people about to sit down to have their lunch and then they would be like, ooh, looking over and like... What are these tasty drawings? Yes! And of course, the, all, they had all of the samples um, for, that have been, have been knit in Tamar. I know lots of them were really popular and um, Rennie Callahan's cardigan that she designed in uh, Blacker was hanging up and people were like, how many balls of yarn do I need to get this? And it was lovely. It was just really this active, like... These are the things I want to knit. How much do I? How much do I need? And what goes into this? And it was just lovely, just lovely. But I think my favourite bit, just of the whole whole weekend, is just how sociable the whole festival is. Like I, I've been saying it, like all all weekend. But you you don't you don't go to Woolfest or Yarndale or sort of any of the other yarn festivals, and you don't get a lounge, a knit night, a Kaylee, you know, there's not such a heavy aspect of come and sit down and just, you know, have a nice time. As well as all all, all fantastic yarn, all fantastic classes. Like other events, if you're sort of wandering around, say, say, say Yarndale in the marts or wherever, and you like tend to like meet people in the aisles, you recognise the face and you're like, oh hi, it's you, and then you move on. But at Edinburgh Yard Festival, you have the chance to sit down and chat and have lunch and, you know, spend the weekend with these people who you've either known on Twitter or social media or you've just met because they're wearing the same design that you're wearing or whatever. And it's it's such a community feeling. I do think the Edinburgh Yarn Festival understands the way it's set up. Really, there's a... And maybe it's because of the relationship that Joe and Mika share. I don't know them yeah. very well, but my sense is that they have a very amazing friendship. That's also a working friendship, which is how many people in this industry are operating. You know, we're friends, but we work together as well. And I just think that there's a real understanding of how much knitters want to meet each other and make friendships. And also just like, you know yourself from having a podcast and a blog, there are friends that you've made online that you haven't met in real life and at the Edinburgh Yarn Festival there is an opportunity to, to fix that, you know. Yeah. And I think there is a lot of space for friendship and socialising and for making your internet friends into your real friends yeah. and getting a beer together and yeah. doing a Kaylee together and it's just really, it's I agree with you, it's strong, very sociable. Yeah, it's such a strong emotional thing I think as well that you know, you can go away, even if you just attended the one day, 
you know, you can you can go away with this real feeling of being part of something that's much bigger. And I felt that last year as well. You know, there's it's and it's not just people, the visitors who are there. It's a community of teachers. It's a community of vendors and makers and designers. And you feel you feel part of something much bigger. And I think it's like they've just hit the nail on the head with that. They just it's effortless almost that cohesiveness. Well, there's there's space for people to sell yarn and buy yarn and buy amazing other nitty joy. You know, as we were saying earlier, like bags, baskets, stationery, buttons, all of that stuff. There's space for teaching and learning. And then, crucially, there is space, lots of space given over to just friendship yeah. and having cups of tea and slice of cake and talking about yeah about this thing that we all do that we really love. Yeah. yeah. And I think that's one of the things I, <clears throat> like, I was reading Clara Park's book, Netlandia, and she mentions the podcast lounge last year. And she said, I can't remember the direct quote, but, you know, she came into the barn and she looked in this corner and she could see people knitting away, not looking at their work, chatting, uh, drinking, drinking tea, cakes, and that was the podcast lounge. And I felt really... Like that, like you know, felt that quite keenly. And I was like, yes, that's what it was very much about. That very much that feeling of relaxed and comfortable, and actually not even know the person you're sitting next to, probably don't even know their name, but just feel connected to them. And that's the thing that I take away every year. I think it's just this feeling of connection and feeling of that that's another community. And that and and that's the thing, you know, online we we know each other online generally. We talk on Ravelry or we follow each other on Twitter or we just maybe even just follow somebody on Instagram and don't talk that much. But then you get an event like this which takes that online those online connections and makes it real. And I just love that. And I, as I say I think Joe and Mika just have just got that effortlessly. Oh, I think you as well, though. I think putting you in charge of the podcast lounge is genius because you just make it seem... You you broadcast this atmosphere of friendliness for months in advance yeah. of the Edinburgh Yarn Festival and I think that that is a big part of it as well. <clears throat> Thank you. I, like, that's what it's meant to be. It's meant to be a place where you can just kick back and relax and, you know, you can show off the things that you've just bought or you can just sit quietly with your knitting or you can come and do a session um, or whatever, and I think that's, I've always wanted to keep that sort of laid-back, chatty kind of atmosphere because that's the, yeah, that's what, I'd say that's what Joanne could do so well, so if I can sort of extend that into the podcast lounge, that's, that's awesome, yeah. Oh, I'm feeling, I'm feeling a bit melancholy now that it's over. I was, I, last year, I remember on the Monday afterwards feeling really quite sad and feeling really like I wanted to cry most of the most of the evening after and, and most of the next day and I remember we you texted me on the Monday um last year and said do you want to come to Peter's yard for a coffee and I was like yeah and then it was so nice because there was a whole bunch of us there all just like it wasn't, com it wasn't completely over no that was it wasn't magic. completely over and then the same kind of thing happened this year like on Sunday a few of us went to ACFA for coffee and then yesterday you and I went and met some friends and had a lovely nitty decompressy kind of time and it is about 
you just kind of feel like you want to debrief and share and like even if everyone's really tired and really croaky and you're about to lose their voices and could do with another few days off but it's just that again that sharing of what was just an absolutely fantastic event and and sharing our own experiences of it and it's lovely but I I yeah I haven't felt quite as sad it was over until now <laughs> I think as well one of my favourite moments, I'm just thinking about it now, is um, one of the classes I taught this year is uh, Colours of Edinburgh mm. and I was a bit nervous about this because I know lots of people who come to Edinburgh Yard Festival live in Edinburgh and I was a bit worried that maybe it's a bit simplistic and touristy because I chose Arthur's Seat as the inspiration source for that class because I love Arthur's Seat, I love going up. Um, Arthur's Seat and I love the perspective you get on the city and I also love the fact that you can see the colours of Salisbury Crags and the other kind of stone areas in Holyrood Park you can mm. see them echoed in the built environment of Edinburgh so I thought it crosses quite a lot of things um, you know the built environment and the geology of Edinburgh so I had picked out this special palette of Jameson and Smith yarn shades and my friend Gordon had taken all these amazing photos um, around Arthur's seat for people to use and then Laura who was volunteering at the Edinburgh Yarn yeah. Festival she came to one of the Colours of Edinburgh classes and she was saying how she always drives past Arthur's seat and she's always looking up the top to see are there people there and so she was doing a design uh, she was exploring this idea of a design with people on it and then yesterday she she took the swatch up to the top of Arthur's seat and took a photo of it in its spiritual home <laughs> of Arthur's seat and I, I was just so happy I was like oh the idea of the colours of Edinburgh class has gone back to its roots yes! in the landscape of Edinburgh it was joyous that's, it was very that's joyous lovely. made yeah. my day oh that's so lovely Yes, I think that's the thing. I think people, that's one of the great things about your, your classes, I think, that people are always really, you know, so inspired in your classes and then they take that further. Like, I remember when I first did um, your quotidian knitting class, then I was like, I could just see charts everywhere now. I can see things that I want to make into, draw into charts and, and, um, Whenever anyone says they're doing one of your classes, then I always say, oh my God, you're going to enjoy it so much and it's going to change your total approach to colour and inspiration and, um, and, and uh, obviously place as well because of taking the swatch up Arthur's seat. I think that's incredible. I'm so excited. I wish I'd made a swatch based on Arthur's seat and so I could climb up it and <laughs> see it in its spiritual home. But oh, yeah, it was beautiful that. to see that. Yeah. It was really lovely. Yeah, that's it. I think, and I think that's another thing about Edinburgh Yarn Festival is that that it carries on. There are moments. I mean, like the best bit is Joe and Mika never stop being Edinburgh Yarn Festival. That social media, they're social they're media. Doing they're doing it all year long. Always, yeah. they're doing it all year long, and and soon the photos from the photo booth will come out, and there will be another lovely burst of nostalgia and recollection of the festival and people will be taking the skills that they learned whether it was you know in your class in woolly worm heads knitting sideways class double knitting with amy detchen you know stephen west accessorized all those kind of things people will be taking that forward into this year and every yarn festival will come back in these lovely bursts 
of um, progress and of inspiration and of design and and even just like sitting chatting about it and um, you know it's it's it just goes on and on they're just that's a winning formula I think all those aha moments just keep going they do they do that's the thing it's fantastic it's fantastic and they are fantastic I don't know if they had a chance to buy anything themselves <laughs> <laughs> I'm quite jealous of your haul of things that you bought. I was really, I just, I got a skein of Rachel Atkinson's Daughter of a Shepherd Yarn, a copy of Knitlandia and a Tilly Flop Designs card. That's all I bought. <laughs> well, because last year I only got very small pockets of time to run down to the marketplace and last year I was like, ooh, grabby hands, what can I get? And I got some lovely stuff last year, but yeah, grabby, grabby hands. Uh, itchy nitty grabby hands. Um, but I, <laughs> <laughs> ooh, colours, ooh, fibres, ooh, ooh, ooh. That's what, that was what I was like, because I was like, and also, I have three moments, I'm going to go buy things. Um, but I have so many skeins that I haven't knit with, you know, from last year. So this year I was very purposeful of what I was going to, what I was going to buy. Let's have the show let's, and tell, let's, let's have, have the show and tell. Which just works so well for audio, don't you think, listeners? <laughs> so what I'm going to do... First of all, I need more coffee. Yes. Do you need more coffee, Louise? No, I think I'm okay. Another cup of coffee. Turbo. So what I'm going to do, because I always think about this whenever I'm doing my podcast and I'm talking about something that you can't see. Yeah. I'm going to, dis let's describe each thing. Oh, that's a good idea. Okay, so, well, so the first thing that I took out was of the bag was not necessarily the first thing that I bought, but it was from John Arden. It is a beautiful, long coiling mountain of delicious red scarlet natural dark shades beautifully combed top yeah oh it's, it's so nice it looks it's like red very deep lovely tasty reds yeah it is it's very satisfying reds i think and it's also got streaks of um black in it which is warble swarbles i see swarbles um, that's a, it's a natural black though, isn't it? it so is. it's like it's a very deep chocolatey brown. And so Yay! it's and it's and it's Falkland Merino and Swarbles. And this is the um it's the Har Harvest Hues is the name of the yarns that they 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 make from this, but you can also buy the fibre. And I was about to buy the yarn and I thought, no, well now I have the bliss spinning wheel. I can spin my own. Harvest Hues from John Arbin. If we go really quiet, can we hear it? Oh, I love that. It, it whispers. It does. It's going to be so beautiful. So nice. So I, that was that. And then I went to Afia, who is Kirsten Bedigan, and um, I was looking at her. She's got, she does a lot of British beads. And it's um, some Jacobs. And I believe that the name of the sheep who provided the fleece was called Wiz. Wiz the Jacob sheep. Yeah, and I can't quite remember where she said he was from, but it's British Jacobs. And she could tell the same about some of the Angora that she had and the, some of the other breeds. She could tell what the names were. I, I love just, this because it's so, so it's a big puffy bat of lovely... Deep, 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 deep brown 
fibres, but you can see and you can feel how springy and bouncy and lively and lofty and just 100% alive this magnificent wool is going to be when you spin it. Yeah, and what I think I'm going to do Squish. with it... <laughs> it's got a very crackly packet. It does. Um, so yeah, so that's, that's that, that one. And then the, there were some yarns that I really wanted, as I say, I really wanted to get. I didn't want to go in with grabby hands and just get anything. I wanted to get some yarns with a, to make a purposeful item. So I've got Isolde's uh, blend number one in um, 100 gram natural skein and 50 grams dyed in sort of lovely blues and teals um, from Triskelion. Triskelion he does such beautiful saturated shades, oh doesn't he? Oh they're so rich. Yeah, they're really rich. And the yarn is Merino, Polworth and Swarbles. I don't know if the Merino and the Polworth is British, but it's spun at John Arbin, and so I'm pretty sure they'll both be Falklands because that's usually what John Arbin spins. But you know, Knit British is grown, spun, or dyed in the UK, so I'm quite happy to support Zolda as a new yarn merchant and John Arbin. A purveyor of yarn. Purveyor of fine yarns. But the natural, it's sport weight, and the natural, just delightful with that, those darker. Swarbles. It's a really lovely grey, isn't it? It's yeah. like a white grey. Yeah. Yeah. You could you could say it was white or you could say it was grey. Yeah. It's a really beautiful shade and because it's three ply, it's a really round. It's lovely and it's round. really nice. And it's got it's gonna yarn. have a really lovely um light fluffy halo on it when it's when it's knit. And the other one that I really wanted to get <clears throat> was um Rachel's Daughter of a Shepherd, which I have two skeins of. Um, so so that again is like a really dark chocolatey brown and it has it's got that lovely hairiness yeah, of the primitive breeds. It does but it's more lustrous than I've ever seen a primitive breed. Um, it's got a sheen on it that's quite incredible. It's that beautiful worsted spinning it just brings out that. Yeah. But look at the lovely hairs. It's I got know. this lovely mixed Amazing fleece. I love this Hebridean I yarn. And the and the I love the tag that uh, that on the tag it's it's she's been so careful to include all the important information that we would want to know like where who the shepherd was where it was. Do you want to read it out? Shepherd John Atkinson, Eskrick Park Estate, yarn from Hebridean sheep, twenty third of July two thousand fifteen clip, DK weight, scoured and spun in the UK. 233 metres in a 100 gram skein, 3.5 to 4.5 millimetre needle or hook, cool hand wash only, www.daughterofashepherd.com. And it, that's what we want. Those are the kind of things that having that information. I this think, is, is correct. Yeah, that, that is a correct label. It is a correct that label. That is the label, the gold standard of labels. So I'm going to put the it's all the yarn and the Daughter of a Shepherd yarn together with this, which is Blacker Yarns Tamar. This is such an amazing, it's like a chartreuse colour. It is. And again, like with the Isolde yarn, it, there's something beautiful that happens when you over dye something that isn't a flat white base. Yes. And I think what I love is that all of the colours of Tamar are all of the colours of Swan. But it looks so different. And I really love this this chartreuse. Now, I don't think I could get away with wearing a whole 
shawl or sweater in this colour with my... You can have a bit. Yeah, but I can have a bit. And so I'm going to use the Daughter of a Shepherd, the Tamar, and the Zaldus Yarn, and I'm going to make a hat shawl um, with that. So the, the sort of chocolatey, peaty, Hebridean brown, the natural white-grey of Isolde's yarn, the dyed, over-dyed Triskelion blue, tealy, bluey green, and the chartreuse of the um, Tamar. And so that... Whatever I make with that, it's gonna be it's gonna be a hap shawl, and I think I'll wait till Kate's book comes out. But that shawl is gonna have Hebridean, Merino, and Polworth and Zwerbles, and Teeswater, Cotswold, uh, Leicester, Longwell, and Wensleydale. It's so gonna be like a map of of British breeds, but also of the British wool industry at the moment. Yeah, this exact snapshot. These are, yes, because these really are the special yarns that I wanted to get at Edinburgh Yarn Festival, and I thought it's all single skeins, but like I bought last year, but they all have a specific purpose. Of what this is reminding me as well of the just absolutely beautiful blanket that Kathy Scott made for you. Yeah, that was kind of incredible. And I don't think I spoke about that in the podcast, that Cathy Scott came up to me in January at the D-Stash event and said, I'm going to make a blanket for the podcast lounge. And I kind of knew where she was coming from because last year we were one throw short for the couches. And Cathy said, well, I've got this sock blanket that I've made. And it had a really lovely story that she'd made every square at every single one of the events, sporting events that, that her daughter, daughter took part in. I included the story in the Knits on It podcast. You did indeed, yes. I interviewed her, so it was this record of her daughter's athletic achievement yes. and training. Yeah, and so I thought, oh, well, that is, uh, so when she said she was making a blanket for the podcast, I was like, that's because of last year, and isn't that lovely? And she showed me these vivid, vivid blankets, the tin can knits um, pattern, these squares, a couple of the ones that she'd made and she was knitting on at the event. And I was like, that's such a lovely, that's such a lovely thing. And won't that be a lovely thing for her afterwards to have that blanket? And over, the, since then, since just January, um, pictures have been appearing on Instagram of these, these squares and these different textures and colours, rich, rich, rich natural colours. And um, she's, sewn them all together and she's put tape with the names of each breed and where the yarn has come from, blacker or black John bat or John, John Arbin or chopped ginger and the breed and she's sewn them all together and she sent me a little message on, I think it was Wednesday last week or Thursday last week and said, can I put your name on this? And I was like, oh well yeah that's lovely, thanks so much and I was really touched that she wanted to put a little knit British tag on there. Um, and she brought it into the podcast lounge and it's just this incredible, like you say, like a map of the breeds of Britain and the different, not only sheepy fibres, but there's alpaca in there. I think there's actually mohair in there as well. And different fibres, different sheep breeds. And all the different mills as and well. And all the different mills as well. And it's all documented on there. And we had it on the back of one of the couches. And when Sonia and I did our squishing session, we brought it out for people to look at the different textures, feel the different kinds of what, which different breeds produce which kinds of yarns. And then on, on Saturday, the last day, we were just about getting ready to pack up. And I said, oh, Kathy, you must remember to take your blanket. And she said, oh, the sock, the sock one, yes. And I went, no, 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 the, the, the British one as well. She went, that's for you. 
and I just bubbled and cried and was so touched. I never, at one point, never, ever, ever thought that she would, she was going to give that to me. You know, I never thought that that's what she was making it for. I just thought, won't this be lovely to every year have that in the podcast lounge? Felix is going to cry now. <laughs> You've got me going. You've got me going. Um, I'm so, so, so touched. Like, beyond belief and and I think she's such a thoughtful she's knitter. such a thoughtful person and I think she knew that I did, wasn't expecting that and everybody that was sitting around like I was obviously more embarrassed because I was actually like you know bubbling and um and it was just so kind and I like all weekend my my lovely lovely comrade Louise Hunt related to my Cagney was saying learn to take a compliment because I always make a joke when anyone ever says anything nice I do say thank you, but I always make a joke. I always say, all right, I'll give you a fiver later. Or, you know, whatever. I, I, I Like, you know, we all, lots of us use humour as a defence mechanism. And I, there was nothing. There was nothing, <laughs> nothing that I could say to, to, like, you know, I just had to say thank you and 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 was just so incredibly moved that that she'd, she'd done that. And, um, and I, I think we both had a little cry about it. I think, though, that your podcast is so amazing and, and the way that you talk about with such passion about about different sheep breeds and about different producers and different designers, there's something so supportive in what you do and I just feel like that blanket really, it probably reflects how a lot of your listeners and fans feel about you, but it's just so amazing to see an object that embodies all that gratitude and joy for the Knit British podcast. <laughs> Thank you. Yeah, uh, yeah. I'll give you a five later. <laughs> no, I didn't know. Thank you. And I think what, because one thing I'd like to do is take Knit, Knit British on the road and go places and take, you know, my swatches and, and get people feeling wool and tasting wool. Well, that was, that's it and as well. That, I can take that with me. You know, that would be an incredible, incredibly valuable tool uh, for people to, to learn about wool with. So, I, yeah, I'm... I think that was also the other thing that just moved me so much about seeing that blanket was just in the future life of that blanket all I saw was people touching all the different textures and getting really inspired about the different um, breeds of sheep and yeah. different animals fibres that are represented there and I just think that things that really dignify wool that's that's the thing it's so beautiful and elegant and it really dignifies wool yeah and sheep breeds and yarn spinners and it just oh it's beautiful it's really it lovely it's beautiful it is incredible and yeah it's yeah can i tell you my proud auntie moment yes <laughs> my uh my little nephew toby i guess he's like maybe he's a bit he's not quite two and a half yet but apparently he was with his parents recently at some kind of animal farm petting zoo something like that and Fergus my brother turned to Toby and said look Toby look Toby it's a llama and Toby looked very serious and said not llama daddy alpaca <laughs> and this is the kind of joy oh that God. this blanket will spread yeah. people will understand they'll know yeah. this is alpaca this is llama this is mohair this is warbles this is yeah. shetland this is teeswater this is wensleydale this is yeah. this mill this is this. and i think that that's it dignifies the labor involved with producing yarn yeah and kathy just so generous and i love that on the back she's put like 
knit by Kathy Scott for the Embry Art Festival Podcast Lounge 2016. That it's just like a little bit of history as well. It's a little bit, <coughs> a little bit of of my history and a little bit of her history stitched together in that. And that's like, yeah, I, I, I like I'm totally moved by it. And please, listeners, be don't worry. It is away, well away from the cat. There will be no making biscuits on the knit British. Uh, Jeremy Dean. Jeremy Dean will not be going on the blanket. Uh, no, but I did. There were some other things that I bought as well. Just a couple of other things. Um, actually, one thing I was given, which needs to be talked about, is um, from Adrian Williams, who has Williams Wool, and she d- doesn't have an online shop yet. I hope she does. Um, but she's made her own yarn, and it's Teeswater BFL and Shetland, and it's just a, a, a natural cream. Well, it's sort of an ivory-ish, isn't it? It's like the colour of clotted cream. Yes, it is. It is. It's that yellowy, yes, golden, it, but really yeah. rich white. And um, this is something that she said spun by the Natural Fibre Company, and she actually gave it to me to a playoff. So that will be coming up on the Knit British podcast one day soon. Um, but I also bought another thing that another yarn that I was really keen to get my hands on, but I wasn't sure if I would is uh, Kettle Yarn Company's Baskerville, which is very, very small batch specialised spun. And Linda Lenovic, who I got to meet for the first time this weekend and is just as awesome in person as she is online. She was one of the first dyers that I bought dyed British Breed wool from. And um, and I, I really, really want to get my hands on this because it's 60% British Exmoor Blueface. So that's Exmoor Horn and Blueface Leicester uh, Cross. 25% British Gotland and 15% silk. Mm. And she's indigo dyed this, which the indigo, there's two, um, there's one very, very dark indigo dye and like a sort of... A paler um, one. paler one. I don't know if she does it with the exhaust water or what she does. And this is the natural one, which I really wanted because it's, look at those colours, it's so cartful. There's dark grey, there's very pale grey. Looks black. like stone with lichen on it. Yes. It's beautiful. And I don't really have, to be fair, I don't really have a project in mind for this, but it was just one of those special yarns that I knew I had to get. And I think, you know, I think every, it's going to be so special that every batch would probably be slightly different because it is small. It's okay. Every chair in this house creaks, it's fine. And every floorboard does. Um, it's just one of those yarns that every every one will every batch will probably be a little bit different and a little bit special, and that's why I really wanted to get my hands on it. Um, and it's like hundred percent British wool with a little flag. I love that. Four hundred meters, handmade in the UK. I kind of thought, oh, well, I don't know what I'll make with that. But then I went back to John Arbin and I found this, which is a. Uh, Devon Grey Wensleydale and I forgot to ask Frankie if the if it's actually from Devon or they're just calling it Devon Grey. Um but it's a really incredible Wensleydale fingering weight. Um now you said something very interesting about Wensley Grey Wensleydale. That's right. When I was uh one of the first shepherds I met, Julia Desh, she has a beautiful flock of coloured Wensleydale sheep and she explained to me that the silver grey gene is a kind of it's a, it's a bit of a wild card and it's a it's a gift 
that you can't in the lineage of the sheep that you can't really plan for so you can't get one sheep and another sheep and definitely mm -hmm. count on having a silver gray i think it's because it's a recessive gene so it's like that kind of you you, don't, you never know who's carrying it and she had a lovely lovely silver gray ram i think his name was gray owl Oh. And she talked to me a lot about the character of her different rams, and he was a real gent. And she said, <laughs> and he carries the silver grey jean, which is a gift that you can't oh, plan for. I love for. that. And I think this is a gift, because I think Wensleydale, like a lot of the long wheels, has to be treated in a very specific way to get the very best out of it. And this is beautifully spun, but... Listeners, please don't go running to, to John Arbin asking if you can have some because this was just the very last of this um, and all they had was at Edinburgh Yarn Festival and, and they don't think we'll get it again. So this is kind of a special, again, these special sort of Edinburgh Yarn Festival yarns. And I think together, the dark, it's a very sort of... It's a dark warm grey. Like yeah. it's got almost like a brown or fawn tone to yeah. it. Yeah. And some lights, it looks quite granty. I see there's some pink of the pomegranate on it. <laughs> um, and, and yeah, it's almost, yeah, I, I just love them together. And I think, wouldn't it be nice, like a shawl with a different coloured edging or something like that? It'd be beautiful. Possibly. I have the pattern for Claire Devine's Portobello um, beach shawl, which is an incredible, um, almost cape hexagon feeling with a gorgeous edging on it. So that's, those are my Edinburgh Yarn Festival special yarns. Also, the, one of the things that I bought, because it's always lovely to buy yarn and to buy patterns and things and kits, but one of the things I really wanted to get was from TJ Frog, who is Tanya. Um, and she lives in Isle of Skye and she actually donated one of these um, to the podcast lounge goodie bags, but she makes these most incredible dorset buttons and she's made uh, earrings and brooches from them and I really wanted one of the big beautiful brooches um, from her which I think this is I think the base is crochet um, and then there are um, seven beautiful grey shades of dorset buttons in a sort of flower configuration and it's all Jameson Smith um, supreme yarn and I just wanted something that I could wear you know or you know a thing for me that I didn't have to knit or make just take something away from the festival that um that I could have for myself and so it's uh, beautiful because it's 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 like a another object that shows how elegant natural yes. sheep shades can be yeah. and it's like a yeah a jewel it is and like a jewel it's like a jewel made of yarn it would be lovely you know to hold a shawl together but it would also just be really lovely on its own on a bag or or, or something and this just sort of called to me and i was so pleased that she had a gray one left um because i do like the grays but yeah so that is all my all of my your purchases. Haul. Yeah. You know, this started off that we were just going to have a little chat about our favourite moment, stand-out moment, and it's become this lovely little retrospective. Um, and I think, yeah, I think I'll just lightly edit it and put it out there. I don't think it needs any preamble or anything. Just a nice little conversation about it. And so, yeah, I really just can't wait for the next one now. Me neither, and I wonder a big shout out to everybody who I met at the Edinburgh Yarn Festival. It yeah. was so nice. It was so great meeting you, and I can't wait to see you there next year. Yes, ditto, absolutely ditto. Just again, that, 
that feeling of being connected with people and I, I just, it was incredible. And I'm, I feel like if we tried to sit here and list the names of everyone we met, that would be like another be hour. for another hour and a <laughs> half, yeah, but it was just incredible to meet so many of you and, and again, again, it's that, I keep feeling that sense of being connected to people. And, I just love putting so many names to faces and yeah. and yeah, just I, meet so many internet friends yeah. becoming real life friends. And it's hard sometimes to to because you have to say what's your Twitter name. Yeah. When they say cop and say hello, my name is Carol, and you're like, what's your handle? Can you describe your? And then like, oh yes, it's you! Oh my god, it's so good to see you. <laughs> Marzipan biscuits, you know, whatever the name is. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Oh, I love it. Yeah. So yeah. So I don't know when I'll be back, listeners, come back. <laughs> when you've recovered. When I've recovered, yeah, at some point. But until then, thank you, Felix, for joining me at my breakfast table to discuss. It's an honour, it's an honour to appear in the Knit British podcast. I know, it's about time that we had a, an episode. Be it's so weird we've not done a, a podcast together. We, no, we've not. We need to then do that. <laughs> but anyway, until next time, take good care. Uh, bye for now. Bye. Thanks for listening to the Knit British podcast. To find out more, visit www.knitbritish.net. You can email me louise at knitbritish.net. I'm on Twitter and Instagram as at knit underscore British. And I'm on Ravelry as Lyra. Take care of that throat. You're a big singing star now, remember? This California dude is just a little heavier than usual tonight. Really? The sun is shining all over the place. Don't you remember? I told you. There's a microphone right there in the bush. You have to talk into it. Now you talk to it. The sound goes through the cable to the box. A man.
got no glory. I got no fame. I got no big mansions. I got no money. But I've got... What have I got? I don't know. What have you got? I gotta get out of here.